What's up, coaches? RTP O-Line Hot Summit is officially over now. Uh, we want to thank everyone for helping us put that on. It went way, uh, way above even what we could have imagined for it for the first time. So we're looking forward to doing that again. If uh, you guys missed any of the presentations or you want to rewatch any of them, you can go get the all-access pass. Now that the Hot Summit's over, that bumps up to $105. Uh, however, if you're a premium member and you watch all our premium series, you can get it for 50 bucks. So all you need to do to be a premium member is, is uh, pay $12 a month. So if you really wanted to be cost efficient and, and for whatever reason you didn't want to uh, have premium, you could always buy it for a month, cancel it the very next day, uh, and then get the all access with the coupon code that you get. So uh, hopefully you don't do that. We think RTP premium is unbelievable. That's why hundreds of coaches are on it. But um, if you just wanted the all-access pass and you do want it for a little bit better of a deal, uh, that's one way to do it. But again, we just want to thank everybody. Thank everyone for going and watching it free live. Uh, it, it far exceeded our, even our expectations. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Huddle. One-third of the U.S. high school football teams already use Huddle Assist to develop their game plans more effectively. This number is only going to get bigger next year. So here's a pro tip. Don't fall behind the competition. Sign up for Assist now before your season starts. Once you wrap up uh, Game 1, all you have to do is upload it to Huddle and click the Assist Submission button. You'll add a few details about the game and then send it in. Professional analysts watch every down, charting more than a dozen columns of data for each play. This data automatically filters into the interactive drive charts and tendency reports. In less than a day, all of this is sent directly to you and the other coaches on your team. Simple as that. Once you have the advanced data that more and more of your competitors have, you can take your program to the next level. Ready to get started? Visit huddle.com slash RTP assist to check off data entry from your to-do list. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Just Play. Uh, whether you're an individual looking for a personal playbook tool or on a staff at a program looking to improve your team's preparation, Just Play has a solution for you. This week, we'd like to tell you about their newest product, My Just Play. My Just Play is a personal playbook tool for coaches at all levels. Both me and Coach Walls have uh, My Just Play, and we love it. Uh, it's, it's great to send out and, and show to our kids and build our own playbook. You can create and organize your playbook with terminology, diagrams, video, and assignments, all starting at just $10 a month. Uh, learn more at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Again, that's JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do that today. And last but obviously not least, this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you're writing your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Derek Smith. Coach Smith is a strength and conditioning coordinator and the offensive line coach at Southside High School in Batesville, Arkansas. Listen as we talk with Coach Smith about his playing and coaching career, his strength training and athletic development philosophy, and how to solve some of the deficiencies and issues we find in high school and middle school aged athletes. You can follow Coach Smith on Twitter at Coach D. Smith. Hope you guys enjoy. My name's Derek Smith. I'm the offensive line coach and strength and conditioning coordinator at uh, Southside High School in Batesville, Arkansas. Uh, I got started off at Batesville High School playing, uh, played under Coach King there. He's had a lot of success uh, over the years. From there, I went on to Arkansas Tech. I uh, played four years of Division II ball there. Uh, we had some, some good teams and some average teams, but it was good to meet a big group of guys uh we had dudes from all over the country basically uh, division two football you you basically got 10 guys who should have been d1 and were overlooked 
you got 10 guys who probably were D1 and uh, got kicked out for various reasons. You got a lot of guys who were either an inch too slow or a tenth too slow. And then, to be honest, you got 10 guys you don't know what the hell they're even doing out there. Uh, but, but uh, so that, that was a good experience. Uh, made a lot of friends, basically. And I, I could be anywhere in the United States, and I'm if a tire blows out, I'm within a phone call anyways of a former teammate. So that's been great. Uh, reconnect with those guys from time to time when we're on vacation and stuff like that. Uh, played offensive guard there. We ran the air raid, which that was different. Uh, came from an offense in high school where we ran the ball 85% of the time and then went to Arkansas Tech where we threw it 95% of the time. Uh, yeah, that's a big change up. That's right. So that, that was a hell of a change, especially early on, but we started getting it down and uh, had some success and from there, I went on. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be a All-American my sophomore year. And from there, I went on, took my first coaching job at uh, Cedarville High School in northwest Arkansas. I was uh, head seventh grade football and uh, head senior high softball. I'd never coached softball a day in my life, and I was head softball. <laughs> thought, uh, thought, what the hell have I got myself into? Uh, but it was awesome. Luckily, our uh, girls had played travel ball their whole life, so they made me look a hell of a lot better than I was at coaching softball. Uh, just kind of had to sit on third base and wave them home most of the time. So that was <laughs> that. That was good. Still, still got overhead shoulder problems from from sending so many girls home that year. I joke with some <laughs> of my buddies, but uh, from there I went on to Blyville High School. It's across the state in the northeast section. I was offensive coordinator and strength and conditioning coordinator there uh, for two years. I uh, can't say enough great things about the coaches there and the kids. It's a great community and definitely helped me grow and kind of blossom as a coach. From there, I uh, took the head football job at Augusta, which is a small school here in Arkansas, and I was officially head coach for uh, 17 days, but we ended up with eight <laughs> We ended up with eight kids on the team, so I got out of there uh, and came back home to Batesville, uh, coached at my old high school for a year, and then moved across the river to Southside High School uh, this past last May, and it's been great. I've been several places in a short amount of time, but I'm going to be sticking around here for a while. Is that Have you always been um, – because I know you said strength coach and offensive line, and, and obviously uh, we kind of connected because I, I see you on Twitter and, and you're, uh, you post a lot about the, the strength and conditioning probably. I don't know about more than offensive line, but just what I see anyways, uh, a lot about strength and conditioning. Is that something you've always been passionate about even when you were playing, or is that um, something that they kind of asked you to do uh, just here recently? Well, it's, uh, it's always been something I've been into, you know, when I was in high school, uh, there wasn't, especially at the high school level, strength coaches per se. It was just always, you know, your sport coaches who ran it. And ours did a, a fantastic job with it. So kind of got a passion for it there. Uh, our coach was a guy named Leo Krajewski. And I could tell stories about him for days. I uh, don't know how how appropriate some of them are, but he was an awesome guy. He was just, he, he, was, real, he was real old school, I'll say that. And, uh, He's an awesome guy, and he honestly helped me develop a passion for the weight room and kind of challenged me when I wanted to be a, a soft A and uh, definitely had an impact on me. So kind of from there, I realized that's what I wanted to do. Uh, my first job at Cedarville, I didn't do the strength and conditioning, but I've done it ever since, hmm. and it's definitely something something I enjoy and I'm going to stick with doing. Coach, would you say, you know, what's kind of your, your strength philosophy? I know a lot of guys have – you know, different things that, that they want to measure or different things that they want to test or different kind of indicators of success. You know, what, what would kind of be your, you know, overlying philosophy or mantra as, as it comes to uh, the weight program that, that you're running? Overall, we're just, I mean, we're building total athletes. So, you know, basically our football players, our volleyball program, our girls basketball program, our softball program, uh, all the athletes I work with, 7 through 12, now there's – but basically senior high-wise, they're all on the same program. So I don't train our volleyball girls much different than I do our football guys. Now, 
they have a couple different weakness areas that the football guys don't, so we address those. But as far as the base of the program, it's basically the same. And, I mean, we're building total athletes. I tell our kids, I don't care if you want to be a better marble player, this will make you better at marbles. If you want to be a better volleyball player and jump over the net and break somebody's nose, it's going to help you do that. If you want to be a more powerful football player, it's going to help you do that. So uh, I guess our our motto, so to speak, would be total athletes. And I want our athletes to leave the weight room. Uh, the biggest thing I see that kids like is competitiveness, uh, especially our female athletes. Uh, and it's not that they're not competitive. They just – a lot of female athletes don't know how to demonstrate or don't know that it's okay to demonstrate confidence and competitiveness. So uh, that's kind of what we try and build in our program. Is that something where you're kind of, you know, spending a lot of your research time in, you know, trying to find out, you know, some of the the latest things to do and what are some ways we can, we can kind of get an edge because I think that's, that's one of the coolest things for me with, with strength and conditioning is, is there's so much research out there and people are trying new things. And, and I mean, I know you can kind of go down some, some rabbit holes, but I also think that it kind of keeps you fresh and, and current with what you're trying to do. Oh, yeah. I, I look back at some of my programs, I mean, not even that long ago, from just three years ago. And, and you know, I think, what in the hell was I thinking? Yeah, it worked. But, you know, stuff could have been done a whole heck of a lot better. It, it's always changed. And I think you got to definitely stick to your principles. But how you go about accomplishing your principles are – there, there's hundreds of different ways to do it and you got to find what works, you know, for your group of kids and, and roll with it. And uh, there's a whole big deal in terms of sports psychology right now. That's a whole nother rabbit hole that I haven't even went down, but kind of the mindset, the mental side of it, and that's honestly a whole new Avenue that people are looking at. So a lot of different ways to go about it. That's for sure. Yeah, I think the sports psychology of it's something that's always been super intriguing to me, and and I'm kind of it, it's I kind of beat myself up. I didn't I didn't go to any of the psychology courses that I wanted to go to in college uh, because I want to go to the easier classes for football. But uh, I wish I would have went into some of those psychology classes because uh, it, it's so important, especially I think for some kids more than others, even at times. Um, you know, some kids obviously maybe either their parents kind of taught it to them or it's it's innate in them. And then there's some kids that uh, I can pinpoint several, not several, but a few on my offensive line right now that, uh, you know, I look at and say by far their bi- biggest weakness is some, some kind of a mentality or, or, you know, that sports psychology behind it. And uh, I wish I had a little bit more in that area so I could help those kids better than I do now. Yeah, it's, I'm with you. We, we try, I call them timid Tammies or, or docile Dan's and, you can have a kid and he can have all the, the strength in the world, all the speed in the world, but if he's not confident in what he's doing, you know, he, he's going to lack in some areas. And then on the flip side of that, there's kids that are super confident and maybe not the best athlete and they can perform a lot better than that, that higher tier athlete, which I think gives teams an edge for sure. Coach, what are some things that you kind of do for, for kids confidence? Cause I know, when we sit down with our kids, we, we kind of come up with a, a top six list of things that they want to work on themselves. And our kids uh, made that list. And one of the things that they actually had said was, you know, building kind of more swag or more confidence. You know, what, what are some things that you're trying to do that kind of cultivate that? Because I think it's a, it's a vastly, you know, not a lot of people talk about it. And I think it's such a huge thing is that, that mindset of having the confidence to be able to go out and get the job done. And, and you've said it before, too. Hey, it's okay to dominate somebody. Yeah, absolutely. You know, kids now, social media is huge, you know, highlight some of their, not not just in the weight room, you know, football plays, whatever it may be, highlight some of the things they're doing. You know, that's big to kids nowadays. And me posting about a kid is going to get he or she amped up and ready to do some more than, hell, I'm going to post all they want. So that's been big. Uh, as far as for our O-line, we do, of course, T-shirts. Lots of people do that. Uh, we do a lineman breakfast each week. Uh, starters go to that. And then a lot of them have younger brothers, so they'll bring their younger brothers, especially if they're the ones that take them to school. And that just kind of helps, you know, create a buy-in. And those kids grow up seeing that, and they want to be a part of it. Uh, do weight room of the week. Uh, we do a worker of the week shirt in the weight room in the summer. 
and it's just basically like an old school pocket uh, t-shirt that you'd see someone would wear at work or whatever. And it just says worker of the week on the pocket. And each week we pick one worker of the week. Uh, there's a local supplement store in town and they give us protein each week to give out to kids uh, for worker of the week as well. So, you know, just little creative things you can do to help, help create buy-in. And uh, I don't, you know, that's more on the buy-in aspect in terms of creating confidence. We just try and do that either in the weight room or on the field, you know, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to coach your mistakes hard. Of course, all coaches are, but I'm also going to highlight when you do something right. And I think it's important to highlight. Yeah. Everybody coaches their, you know, top end kids, but highlight when the kid who always does something wrong, right. I think that's huge in terms of getting them to be more confident. Every one of us has kids who, you know, does things wrong more than they do things right. But when they do something right, definitely highlight them and, you know, make them feel special about it. I think that's huge. And, and when you're talking about that, right, that's something that uh, a coach has to truly, in my opinion, care about all, however many he has to be able to highlight that. I mean, if you don't know much about that kid because you don't pay attention to him because he's a third string guy that normally plays on the scout team, you probably don't even know how to compliment that kid. Uh, but, but one compliment from you to that kid about something that um, that you can say in front of all your other offensive linemen or, or whatever your group is, mine's offensive line. So uh, you could, you know, um, tell that one kid, hey, you did a great job of this, this, and this, you know, and, and, the, whole, and the whole offensive line starts clapping for them or they start kind of cheering on, cheer them a little bit. And some of it's kind of, you know, messing with them a little bit. But it's also some of it is, you know, they're happy for the kid. Uh, he got his name called and, and that'll change that kid's whole next week or two. Absolutely. It carries over to the classroom quite a bit too. So yes. whatever you can do to, to highlight your kids, I'd highly recommend it. I like what you're saying too. At first, you know, I know you're talking about buy-in, but I, I think that's a, a huge deal because, you know, when, when kids have that bond to each other and they're a lot stronger teammates and, you know, everyone uses the word family, but I mean, I, I think you're, you're going to fight that much harder for people. And I, I always liken it to, you know, if, if somebody comes up to somebody in the street and they're beating the crap out of them, you know, you might help them out if it's a, if it's a stranger, but if it's somebody you love, you know, like your brother or your wife or somebody's going to go after them, how much harder you're going to fight for that person. I mean, you literally fight to the death. So kind of instilling yeah. in those kids as well that, Hey man, the more you're bought in, the more you guys get along and the stronger your bond is, the, the harder you will fight for each other. Absolutely. And you know, we don't, obviously no coaches encourage fights and games, but you, you can see it in summer camps or seven on sevens, you know, two guys from different teams get into it or whatever. And then, you know, the rest of the linemen rush in there to help out their boy. And then the rest of the D linemen helping there to help out their, their guy. And you can tell when two teams who got competitive guys who are bought in with each other go after it, it makes for some good competition. That's always the cool bond that you see with, with offensive linemen. And that's, that was one of my favorite things about it. And I think that's kind of how a lot of those linemen are wired is just, they, they enjoy being a part of that pack or that group or whatever it is and, and sticking together, standing up for each other, like you said, uh, you know, no, ma no matter what it is, even if it's uh, a skill kid that wants to get after one, you know, the right tackle, now the left guard's chirping at the skill kid or, or whatever it is, you know, yeah, after yeah. a hot day of running or, or, or whatever it is. And, and it's kind of a cool thing that builds that. And the other cool thing I think that you said is, is uh, you know, you're having kids or they're bringing their little brothers, you know, and, and so now these little brothers are coming up around it. They're seeing, oh, this is what the offensive line means. This is what, you know, what it means to get to be a part of this. And, and that just builds that legacy of that group. I think that's been crucial at Broken Arrow. Not that we've got any little brothers, but um, it, it's like our juniors and seniors are the little brother, you know, are the big brothers to the, the freshmen that are coming up being sophomores. Um, and, and then they're seeing what those guys are doing and they see what's done right. And those guys make sure it's done right. And then it's like, okay, it's bought in. This is what we do. This is how we act uh, as an offensive line. And it's really cool to see. Oh yeah. Especially with the offensive line. I mean, all position groups are important, but as the O line, you got to have a bond and you got to basically create an identity. I always hate when I hear, well, our guys are soft or, we'd do that if our guys weren't soft to me 
as an O-line coach, if your guys are soft, it's it's your damn fault. They're soft because you're soft. 100%. So, Absolutely. I, I always hate when I hear that. Uh, at Blyville, like I said, the little they, we created these trench mob shirts. I mean, hell, half of America calls their O-line the trench mob, but these kids were convinced we were the first ones. And, <laughs> That's uh, all that matters. That's right. They'd wear, they'd wear their trench mob shirts around, and all the little elementary kids loved it, and they'd be running up to me. I'm going to play O-line. I'm going to be trench mob. So mm-hmm. when you get kids excited about playing O-line, it's a good thing. Yeah, I, I, I am 100%. I think me and Walls probably both. I don't want to put any words in his mouth, but um, 100% with you. You know, those guys are talking, oh, we're just too soft. We're too whatever. I think probably nothing makes me mad. I don't know if it makes me mad. I just immediately think, oh, okay, that's what you are. Whatever you probably think of your kids is, is probably just a direct reflection of, of whatever you are. And I could never even imagine calling my group anything negative. I mean, maybe they're short. I could say they were short if they were short. <laughs> I could never, you know, I could never think of actually saying something negative about um, how they play or or uh, their attitude, their effort, because that's totally something that I can control. And so yep. if they're doing that, that means that I'm coaching them or I'm allowing them to – get away with that and so that is completely and utterly my fault so I've never ever I'm with you I've never understood when a coach has said that yeah I definitely I don't completely disagree with a lot of things but that's definitely one of them I, that I will uh openly disagree with so I I'm with you on that one but in your case uh short old lineman that's not always a bad thing that's sometimes a good thing so that's exactly right, and I think it's important. You know, some guys that have not been around me before, uh, you know, some of our sophomores, I, if I call them short, they some of them kind of get mad or offended. But uh, I think my older guys realize it, and I, and I always preface it because I'm, it's just you need to know what you are because now you need to know what you, what you need to be good at. You know, if, if you're short, there's a lot of things that that works against, but there's a lot of things that are going well for you, you know leverage but you're also going to have to be a high effort guy you're going to have to have perfect footwork you have to be a really really strong kid because you're shorter you can I'm sure everyone can be strong but just from what I've seen the shorter guys are are going to be you know extremely strong if they're going to be playing football and so I think it's important to know hey you're not very tall you've got to make up for it in these ways you know I, I personally as a football player was never very strong and not real fast so I needed to make up for it in in other ways I needed to be aggressive I needed to have perfect technique so I can make up for my lack of speed. I don't think there's anything wrong. Everyone's going to have certain things they're not good at. Let's try to get as good as we can at that, but let's let's see what the positives are from that and let's maximize those. Absolutely. I I think back in college to it was a sophomore year. Our center was an All-American. I was guard. I was All-American. And we get the scouting report that week. And the nose guard we're going against is 5'7", 240. Mm-hmm. And we basically we basically blow it off, and we're thinking, oh, hell, this guy's going to be easy. And neither of us had given up the sack all year long, and this was the 11th game of the season. And he mm-hmm. got, I believe, two sacks on both of us. So uh, we, when, we, when it got late in the game and we were 6'3", 325, he was still 5'7", 240, and a hell of a lot faster than us. So I think back to that regularly. I think that's <clears> – <throat> All of those things are, are great, great points. You know, be, you know, to me, it comes back to, you know, kind of paraphrase you guys saying, just just being honest and, you know, being honest with kids and, and letting them know their limitations and know, hey, I'm I'm here. I'm not going to blow smoke up your rear end. I'm just going to let you know that, hey, a fact's a fact. And, and here's going to be some, some things that you need to, you know, improve to be able to hopefully overcome some of these things. And guess what? There's plenty of people who have. Um, I'd also say that it kind of comes back to like some of your guys' standards that you guys set. You know, you guys set, I would imagine, set pretty high standards for your players, be it offensive line or, or people in the weight room. So I guess, you know, for, for you, Coach Harper, and for you, Coach Smith, you know, what, what are some of the standards that you kind of hold all your guys, you know, to be at the, the weight room and be it, you know, kind of your offensive line? Because I think, you know, as a coach, that's really what our job is. Hey, you're going to do the playing. You're going to go out there and execute. But there's certain standards I have to hold you to to make sure we're, we're executing at a high level. Well, I, I mean, I'll, I'll go first, Coach, and then, then I guess I'll let you kind of roll with it. But yeah, I would yeah. say probably um, our biggest standard, right, our, and our three big things are 
effort, accountability, and toughness. So uh, I would like to say all three of those. But I think the, the number one thing, our number one standard, standard is effort. Uh, just because solely every single kid can control that. I know they can control giving everything they have. And, and it's a point that I make, and it's a hard one to make with the sophomores because they don't even know what it is. Um, and some kids get mad, and they're like, I'm just I'm not very fast. And I have to tell them, I don't care how fast you are. You can be the slowest person on earth. You can still run as fast as you slowly can run. Uh, and, and that's your maximum effort. Everybody can give that, so that's the standard. If you can't do that, that's fine, but you, you just can't play offensive line. You're going to have to go play a different position because uh, you're, everything you've got is, is what – we have to see, and, and that's what we get in the weight room, and, and that's what we uh, make sure they do in, in all their runs. Even if they're fat guys, it doesn't matter. You're still supposed to give your high effort, and I think that helps us when we get into practices because they're already used to doing that. They hold each other accountable to that. Um, you know, I remember my first couple of years there, it was like I had to show little clips of it almost every – almost weekly, and then it got a little bit better, but then after a few weeks, I'd have to reshow it again, and then now it's to a point where normally once in the spring, I've kind of have to have a whole meeting about how their effort isn't very good. And it's normally just the sophomores. Uh, and then after that, it's kind of, um, you know, they kind of patrol it themselves, which is uh, a really cool thing to see. So that would be my biggest one. Coach, what, what, what are some of your standards you, you hold your guys to on the offensive line? No, I, I completely agree with you. We uh, basically, I go by three things offensive line wise, attitude, assignment, and technique and you got to have the first one before the other two even matter i mean if you i want our guys to have a nasty attitude basically it's a i guess a negative term nowadays but on the football field we want them to be a be a damn bully so uh we run we run the ball uh people know we're gonna run the ball and i mean they just got to have a bad attitude wherever they're going uh offensive line to me it's about imposing your will on another guy for the most part and taking someone where they don't want to be. And I know that's cliche, but your guys, I mean, you got to teach, you can teach guys to have a bad attitude. And when I say bad attitude, I don't mean like a negative attitude, like a bad teammate. I'm talking about like a bad attitude on the football field. And that's definitely something that can be teached. And that goes back again to like we were saying earlier, if your guys are soft, it's it's because you're allowing them to be soft or coaching them soft. So uh, attitude, assignment, and technique are three big things for us. And, you know, we do uh, – we'll, we'll preach to them about different things. We do a theme of the week each week in the weight room. And it may be a story about – some weeks it'll be a story about somebody. Some weeks it'll be a quote. Some weeks it'll be, you know, whatever it may be, something I read in the book that week. And we'll kind of discuss it and talk about it. But uh, going back earlier, I think confidence is huge and. You know, I guess you could say it borderlines on cockiness, but uh, to me, so to me, arrogance is a negative thing. Arrogance is basically cockiness without, you don't have any substance behind it. So you say you're going to do something, you don't do it. To me, cockiness is, it's almost a good thing. I'd rather our guys have too much of it than too less of it. Uh, They say they're going to do something and then they do that. So to me, that's something you can definitely build in them as a coach. I want our guys to and girls to, go to a job interview 10 15 20 years from now and have the confidence that you know probably not do it but they could if they wanted tell that other person waiting in the job interview waiting room that they can go ahead and head home because this job's theirs and I think that's important to build in building your athletes I couldn't agree more I think it's it's empowering you know Wallace talked about that earlier how, how are we how, you know how are you and you talked about it as well coach and how, how am I going to empower my athletes I think that's an empowering fact when when they've got that um, that attitude, and like you said, a good attitude, but uh, one to finish. You know, to me, a lot of times that comes down to finish. And there's some guys that that aren't, you know, whatever, mean spirited or whatever. And and but if they're given that effort, you're going to see a lot of those finishes, and that helps the attitude. And that's some things that you can uh, definitely coach. And then, uh, as you said, that that mentality that we're going to be the best and we're going to kick their butt and all of that. I think that's an empowering feeling. Uh, especially when you're out on the football field. Absolutely. Confidence is key. I watched a documentary it was several years ago about Boise State when they went on their undefeated run. And 
they talked about one of the conference games early in the year, midway through the year, where they basically had like either it was either like a third and ten or fourth and ten, and they had this guy on their team. He hardly ever played. He was a receiver, but they had this guy on their team, and he was the cockiest person on the team. The players drove him crazy, but he believed in himself more than anybody else. And uh, they throw him out there on like third and ten, and he goes up and gets it. They said basically they don't know that he played any more the rest of the year, but he got that one play done for him and helped him make a bigger run. So it's definitely beneficial. Again, I think – I mean, it, it's it's such an undercoached thing. I mean, we talk, you talk about mentality and, and that it's okay to, to have that, that swagger, that confidence about you. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more with what you said, Coach Smith, about, you know, I'd almost rather have too much of it than not enough because you can always kind of rein it back. But at the same time, you know, if you have guys that are going to sit and play meek all the time and I mean, you, you can continue to work to to kind of pull that out, but it just seems like it's, it's so much more difficult to be able to do that. But I think when, when you're consistently preaching that and like, Hey, play confident. Hey, I want you to play nasty. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get jacked when you, you start knocking dudes down and you start flat backing people. We're going to celebrate those things. We're going to track those things. I just think it, it reinforces all those behaviors that, you know, you're, you're trying to do. And I think when maybe all of a sudden now you're like, I don't want my guys to be cocky and I don't want my guys to do this. Well, now you're almost kind of contradicting yourself. You know, we don't, we don't want you to, you know, have too much fun or we don't want you to, you know, to be meek. I know Coach Harper talks about all the time too with his guys. Like, dude, the, the 13 games we go get to play offensive line is the only fun days of playing offensive line. You know, the rest, Absolutely. The rest of it's going to be, you know, toiling away and, and, and grinding and, and having to get after it and having perfect technique and whatever it might be. But those 13 days where you can go just let it loose, dude, you want them confident. And I want you guys killing people, you know? And you hit on it. You, I mean, as a coach, you got to make it fun and let guys be themselves. I mean, I know for years and years, often all offensive linemen for the most part were kind of like, you know, lunch pill type kids don't say much, show up, get the work done. And those kids are awesome. Hell, they're probably some of my favorite. But you <laughs> yeah. got a kid that he wants to be a little flamboyant when he puts them on his back. Hell, I'll let him. I mean, if that's what it takes to get this kid to buy in, you know, if he wants to be the Deion Sanders of offensive line, hey, go for it. <laughs> that's right. As long as he's being the Deion Sanders. Uh, exactly. We can live with that. No, I think like seriously, I, I'm I'm all for the the kids that that can can rock with the the swag again as long as you can back it up and as long as it's you know none of the extracurricular bull crap we you know we you run into that but again I can even live with some of that stuff when it's when it's borderline and they're playing that way then then having the exact opposite of where a guy blocks a kid for for two seconds and then takes his hand off and thinks that you know the the play is over you know give me give me fifteen guys that are going to go absolutely you know balls out until the whistle absolutely yeah i always i use this analogy in our weight room and everywhere else but if if you're coming up to a stoplight and it's i guess people give me hell because i call it yellow i guess it's orange or whatever but you got red yellow and and green and you see or if i see orange i'm hammering the hell down i ain't hitting my brakes to, to stop I, I want our dudes and our our lady athletes when they see when they pull up in that same situation hammer down and don't be the scared one tapping on your damn brakes causing everybody else to waste their time so <laughs> you sound like bill burr <laughs> walls bill burr made the thing he's a he's a comedian he he said if i'm if i'm turning left i gotta get out in the middle that way I, if i can get one other person through the left turn that means i'm i win yeah, so. <laughs> that's immediately what i thought of uh coach so i, I gotta imagine um kind of because i almost went through the exact same thing but a little bit opposite in the fact that um, I think we were run heavy in high school, but I don't remember much of high school um, of what we did. But I went to college, air raid, and then as soon as I got my first job in high school, it was uh, a lot heavier of a personnel, a lot more gap scheme, and it's stuff that I learned from Coach Walls, from our head coach, David Alexander. So I got kind of luckily lucky and got to kind of see the full gamut. Maybe not the full gamut. I'm sure there's still uh, option. There's veer, some stuff that, that I haven't gone through. but um, at least a, a very large portion of it being air raid and then going through uh, heavy gap scheme, 21, uh, 12 personnel stuff in, in high school when I came back to coach. Uh, so 
I, I've got to imagine that that was kind of a, a, a nice thing for you as well because you got to be in a run-heavy um, offense as a, as a high school player. Then you get to go into college where it's something vastly different, which I'm sure stunk at the time. But now as a coach looking back, you can pull from uh, both of those different things and really uh, mold that into what you want your offensive line or your run game to look like. Absolutely. I, our offensive coordinator at Arkansas Tech, he was uh, – his name's Scott Preston. He worked with Mike Leach at Valdosta State. And so he was a, an air raid disciple. And I, I lean on a lot of that stuff. You know, yeah, we run the ball a lot. But pass protection-wise, I learned some great stuff there that we throw in that we do now, even though we run it a lot. So that was absolutely awesome. I think, uh, you know, with the air raid, uh, you got to have a dude at quarterback. So. Uh, if you don't, you know, it makes it a, a lot harder to run. Uh, we were <laughs> yeah. fortunate in it. We were fortunate we had some dudes at quarterback. Uh, we had a guy my first year there, Cole Barthel. He played Major League Baseball. I think he was drafted in like third round and then uh, came, out of, came out of the minor leagues and went to college. He played at Arkansas for two years, and we got him at Arkansas Tech. I hope you don't hear this, but we got him as like a 30-year-old man. Uh, had two knee braces on, had two reconstructive <laughs> surgeries. Uh, but uh, he made us want to block for him just with his attitude and his persona, that kind of whole cocky deal. He, We'd call him the ice man. He'd come back to the huddle, tell us he was going to ice him, and we'd, we'd break that damn huddle and pass protect our butt off for him. So uh, I remember he threw a pick on, like, the goal line, and the dude had, like, a 20-yard jump on him. And I can still hear his knee braces squeaking. He hawked the dude down in about 60 yards. And we said, yeah, yeah. That, that's why he was a, a major league baseball guy and a, and a D1 guy. He was a, he was a step above us. And then uh, had a guy after him, uh, Nick Graziano, complete opposite. Uh, honestly, though, was probably a, a better skilled quarterback. Didn't, wasn't a real big cocky guy, but uh, he played at Nevada broke his ankle he actually started over Colin Kaepernick and then uh he came to Arkansas Tech after he broke his ankle and got beat out and we made a heck of a run with him and another guy Robert Scarian he was a great college quarterback so you got to have the guys to do it that's why I think it's a little more beneficial in college because you can recruit those guys but uh I definitely steal some concepts from it and some ideas with what we do now so we're uh I guess you could say shotgun wing T, so to speak. And I'd always bash the wing T before I worked here. But now uh, <laughs> Coach Kenny Simpson's got me on board. He's done a fantastic job. Our school's only had football 11 years. And uh, he's been here from 0 and 10 to 10 and 1. So wow. he's been fantastic to work for and learned a lot from him. And he's super receptive to any ideas we have as coaches. So I think that's extremely beneficial. Well, the cool thing about being in the air raid as far as run game for me anyways, uh, and I think we were a little different. We were spread, no, you know, we're air raid, no huddle, uh, the, the Kingsbury type air raid. But, um, and, uh, but anyways, the cool part was being like masters at inside zone. Um, maybe not masters. We, we didn't have a tight end or fullback. But uh, as far as how to block it, you know, against slants, how you, you know, footwork, all of it, we weren't wasting time uh, trying to learn, you know, gap schemes or anything else like that. So, so I was a, I, you know, I got my um, master's in inside zone. So I had that already in my pocket. Now I go to Broken Arrow and it's a heavy gap scheme. And then uh, for a year I get to learn all about gap scheme and, and you know, get a master's in that. And so uh, it was, it's been really, really beneficial to do that. But, um, did you guys do any uh, – do you guys do any in pass pro? Do you guys still do the uh, vertical backpedal sets or no? No. Uh, Did you I'm guys do it a, when you were in college? No, we basically – he taught us both. And basically, you you know, you'd go with which one you were you were good at. So, we had some dudes who'd vertical set. We had some dudes who'd, you know, kind of cut them off on a quick kick slide. So, basically, just on what you were comfortable with, and we'd roll with that. I always got blown up on the vertical sets. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it. I learned, I learned real quick that that wasn't my my go to set. So, coach, did you find now? I mean, because I know you've been an offensive coordinator too. Is that correct? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I'm ROC. It's more of a job title deal. Coach Simpson calls the plays, but uh, it's been, like I said, he takes plenty of our input and lets us have a lot of input in game planning and uh, coaching decisions made in the game. So as long as they work out, you know, he's super uh, praiseful of you. If, if they don't, you'll hear about it, and that's, that's how it should be. <laughs> The reason I asked just just because I mean I know obviously you, you're probably having to meet you know a little bit with with all the guys and you talked a lot about you know your quarterbacks in in college and and how it was super important for them to you know have kind of you know not only the ability to play but also some of those leadership and and intangibles and and like you said to be able to get the offensive line kind of on their side you know is that something that you're you're being able to preach into you know for sure, maybe your, your quarterbacks, but also your, some of your skill guys and kind of building that camaraderie and also letting them know that, hey, man, you know, it's, it's a huge deal for you to, to you know, be obviously well-liked by your offensive line, but to have some of those leadership qualities and to be able to carry some of those things forward. Is that something you're able to, to kind of do with some of your skill kids too? Absolutely. So the way ours is set up, uh, I don't have a defensive position. So when we're, we're split practice, when we go to defense, I'll either be with the quarterbacks or I'll be with the receivers or I'll be watching film with the offensive line, you know, whatever it may be that week, wherever coach has me. And, you know, I just talk with our quarterbacks. To me, quarterback, 60% of it's mental and included in that mental is how you lead, how you get your guys to play for you. So just let them know that, you know, I was an offensive lineman and as offensive lineman, you want your quarterback to, to recognize when you do stuff right as an offensive lineman you want your receiver to recognize when you got a good block out there and set him loose on the screen so you know tell those guys give your give your lineman some love when when something good happens because it i promise if there was five bad ones out there wouldn't any of that be happening so yeah that's what walls you you've always said and i always thought was a cool way to to put it you always talk about your quarterbacks have to be football players first and then quarterbacks what what, what um but I've never really asked you about it. Where'd that come from or, or what made you kind of think of using those words? Because uh, that wording of it uh, always resonated with me whenever you said that. Well, Co Coach Mullaney, the guy who gave me my first job, was one of the first guys that had said it. And I, I stole it immediately because I thought it made perfect sense. You know, there, there was nothing more that, that I hated as a player than some guy, you know, who, who was wearing a visor and being, being the pretty boy and then would always just complain about when things went wrong because it made him look bad. You know, receiver dropping the ball or a guy running the wrong route or a lineman messing up a protection or you know, a running back not missing on a protection. I always just thought that that was just somebody being a crybaby and you weren't being a football player. So it was kind of, hey, we're going to set the expectation that, you know, everybody else has to hit people on plays and everyone else has to, you know, grind it out and do a lot of the dirty work for you to do your job. You know, I know everyone talks about QB being the most important position. Well, he's still the most dependent person on the entire field. If linemen don't block for him, literally one of them misses a block, the quarterback sucks. If a receiver can't catch the ball, the quarterback sucks. So, I mean, I think instilling that mindset right now that, hey, it's not going to be about you and you're going to be a football player first like the rest of these guys and they need to see you working like that and you understand that, then it's so much easier for them to – want to play for you because if you're going to be the leader that's like the the definition of it the team gets better when you're in there and the team you know moves the football down the field and scores points when you're in there so I think the easiest way to do that is to set that example of being a football player and a tough ass first and then all the other stuff second no I, I completely agree with you on that coach I mean like like y'all both said as an offensive lineman, you got to know that that dude out there, you're a dog as an offensive lineman. You got to know that guy sitting back there behind you is a dog too. And, and I think that's important to highlight, important to build with all your players, not just quarterback and O-line, receiver and O-line, hell, DB and O-line. They got to recognize that, you know, a lot of places have a negative, or kids early on anyways, have a negative connotation of, oh, I'm offensive lineman, I'm fat and slow and unathletic. And, that's what the skill kids think. But now if you're an offensive lineman, you're a damn dog and, and you can do things that other guy can't do and he can do things you can't do. So that's the great thing about football is you can have everybody from the five four, two hundred pound kid to the 
the six, eight, 220 pound kid, you know, it takes everybody and there's a spot for everybody in football. And to me, that's awesome. Yeah, it's been one of the biggest deals is, is making offensive line cool, uh, if you will. It's not like like you said, it, it always seemed like it used to be um, when I was growing up or whenever. It was kind of like the fat kids that couldn't play anything else. You guys go play offensive line. I got kind of lucky growing up. My dad was an offensive line coach. And so I was always like when I played, it was like you had to weigh in before every game. And if you had you weighed a certain amount in that grade level, then you, you couldn't run the ball and they put a big stripe on your helmet. and Obviously, everyone didn't want to have a stripe on their helmet because they wanted to play, you know, run the ball, receiver, whatever it was. But I kind of got lucky in that I almost was never a stripe. From, like, fourth grade on, I was always skinny enough to be a ball carrier, um, technically. But I always played offensive line because Dad said that's where the, the baddest dudes played was on the offensive line. And so that's what I wanted to do. And, and um, it, he had made it cool for me, basically, because that's what my dad coaches and and those are the baddest dudes, and that's what I want to do. And so I kind of got lucky where there's been a lot of kids you know, I played with that, like, yeah, I don't get to play tight end anymore. Come play offensive line, or I, I'm, I'm this. I wasn't athletic enough to do this. I got to play offensive line. And I was like, all right, you guys get to play the best position uh, in, in football, in, in all sports. And they didn't see it that way. So that's kind of how I try to now sell it to all my guys. You guys get to play the best position possible. You get to hit all the time if – why you got into football is because you enjoy hitting people, which was why I got into it. Um, this is the best spot to do it because you get to hit someone on every play. Uh, and, and this is where the baddest, biggest dudes are. And, and um, it, it's, it's made such a huge improvement, I think, in, in offensive line because there's a lot of guys out there doing that. There's a lot of guys on Twitter uh, helping you know, young offensive linemen become better offensive line athletes. And it's really made a huge leap, and it's been cool to see uh, all those guys out there doing that and making that cool for kids. No, like you said on Twitter, it's been great. I mean, it's almost like a coaching clinic every night, you know, with guys sharing ideas and the offensive line sub sub part of it's been great. Uh, almost making O line cool again. So it's been it's been good, and I think it's it's a lot better for the sport and will help will help grow. So. You know, football's under attack right now, whether we like it or not. But it's important we we stand our ground. And there's a a hell of a lot more good that comes from football than than there is bad. So uh, I think it's important we highlight our positions and programs and what we all do. I agree, and I think it's important too to you know to to keep that brotherhood. I know that's one of the the things we love about our podcast and and uh, the the people that we get to to interact with and follow on social media is, is just all the, the positive and awesome things that, that come out of it. You know, I've, I've had a couple of coaching staffs roll through Iowa, you know, now and, and stop in just to, because they want to talk and, and share ideas or if nothing else, just have a little bit of fellowship. And I think, you know, the, the stronger that bond is between coaches as well, it, it helps us grow the game and it helps us, you know, continue to make it, you know, better, safer, more fun, better for offensive linemen, whatever you want to say, whatever cause, you know, is, is going to help grow the game. It's always a lot easier when everybody's kind of sticking together and helping each other out. Oh, yeah. Big thing with me is, I mean, weight room-wise, speed development-wise, offensive line-wise, I mean, I'll share whatever we do. It's not like I invented anything. I stole it from people a hell of a lot smarter than me along the way. So, you know, if you got something out there, whatever it may be, share it with other people, help them grow help younger coaches grow because uh, a lot of guys help me that way. So I'm going to pay it back and help anybody out in any way I can. Coach, one of the interesting things to me about, you know, strength and conditioning uh, coaches or, or guys that are going to do the strength and conditioning at a program is it's like one of the only positions where it, it seems like those guys think it's really important uh, to be active in what they're coaching. Uh, you know, there's no offensive line coaches out there that, think that you need to be uh, playing offensive line and at a uh, um, semi-pro team. But when you look at these uh, strength and conditioning coaches, they think, and I, I agree with them, I think, but they think it's, uh, you know, very important to stay active uh, with their own, uh, you know, physical fitness and, and lifting and working out. And uh, the kids see that and they see these big, strong guys and, and say, man, I want to look like that. I want to look like coach, the strength and conditioning coaches. Very, Seldomly do you see a 
big, fat, sloppy, you know, strength and conditioning coach. You'll see it, but it's not very often. Uh, is that something for you anyways? Cause I, I see that you're very active all the time on Twitter with, with working out for yourself. Is that something that you're doing because consciously, you know, that's something you need to keep up with for uh, the kids and for you to stay a strength and conditioning coach, or is that just something uh, you just enjoy it, so you do it, and then you're, you're also a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, I mean, it, it's my passion. Uh, you know, the first thing, we just we got a six-month-old, and the first thing, besides building the nursery that I did when uh, we found out she was pregnant, was I built a home gym, so I couldn't get griped at for not being at home when I was working out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that, that it's much better, but – it does allow me to be home more and, and that that's been good. But in terms of that, uh, you know, to me as a kid, I grew up seeing our guys who ran the weight room and our, our strength and conditioning coach was a big kettlebell guy. Now he didn't have us do that. That's just what he did personally. But seeing that I, I would see that and it almost created a sense of buy-in for me in terms of, well, this guy, he knows what the hell he's talking about. He's, 40 years old and he's in here training so you know I'm going to listen to him I think it's important uh you don't have to do that at all by any means but me personally I'm going to get in there and train and I want our kids to know that I'm doing a lot of the same stuff they're doing and I think that creates well this guy actually knows what the hell he's talking about you know you can have all the certifications in the world and those are awesome Uh, they're important but uh, your kids knowing that you can do what you're talking about. And as a strength coach, being able to demo the lifts and how to do them correctly and the little nuances. And also as a strength coach, being able to demo how kids do things wrong uh, is important. So personally, I like I said, it's my passion. I love to lift. I love to train. But on the side of it, if, if, it, if posting about it, you know, helps kids. Oh, coach actually knows what he's talking about. He actually does this too that's a little side part of it and it helps. That's a good thing to me. So coach, I, I think that's, I think that's awesome. And I, I follow you on online too. And I, I probably see, are you still getting some PRs now in the, in the home gym? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I just had to replace the foundation because, uh, or the foundation to the garage. Cause I, I cracked it doing some <laughs> heavy snatches and cleans. Uh, Luckily, uh, dad, he, uh, my dad owns a plumbing company, so they have a concrete guy. So I just had to pay for the materials and then do all the labor to get all the concrete out. And that sucked. Uh, I don't want to do that again, (laughs) but they laid it right this time. And yeah, I'm still trying to get some PRs. Uh, I've been trying to get 405 on clean for the better part of of two years now. Yeah, I'm creeping up there. I'm going to get it. Once I get that, I may be done cleaning, but. I'm going to get it come hell or high water, whatever I got to do. <laughs> I've seen that. I, I know that was one of the things I did. I was, I was running it in uh, at a school in South Dakota and I, I got kind of back into to training, same deal. And, and for me, I mean, I'm a smaller guy. I had some shoulder issues and things like that, but my goal is to, to bench 315 again. So I kept, I mean, kept working, kept working, kept working. I finally hit 315 and I was, I was getting pretty big. And I kind of retired after that, but I remember then it was getting into basketball season and they made you wear, uh, you had to wear like a full suit, you know, a shirt and tie and all those things when you're coaching basketball. And I hated that because, you know, that wasn't my style at all. Give me some sweats and just let me coach, you know. But I remember, you know, having one of my old shirts that I was wearing and, and I'd been lifting, so I put on about 15, 20 pounds of muscle. And I was, I don't know if I was yelling at a ref or something like that, and I ended up tearing one of my shirts. But I'm kind of sitting there and I'm like, like, that's right. Yeah, man, be getting back into the weight room. And, you know, the kids were laughing about it too. But it, it did carry a lot of, you know, kind of almost street, street cred where kids were like, man, you know, hey, I, I'm going to work hard if Coach is in here. He's doing the same workouts that we're doing. I, I totally get it, man. I, I think it's hugely important, especially as a young coach. Now, when I'm 50 or 60, yeah, I may not be in there cleaning 400 pounds. But uh, – <laughs> <laughs> right 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 now while i can do it i'm gonna get in there and do it so uh it's been hugely important in terms of getting our kids bought in i think so i think it's great uh when i worked at blyville a uh, guy he's basically their assistant superintendent randy jumper 
he's probably i don't want him to get mad i may get his age wrong but he's probably in his 60s he may be in his 50s and now he's mad at me but uh, he's he's in his 60s and he's still benching over four bills so i saw that and i was like hell i I gotta set my game up here's this this guy he's been out of it a while and he's benching four bills so i gotta i gotta get going jeez Well, Coach, you, you, you mentioned a little bit that you've even got some nutrition uh, people in your, in your town that, that'll help out the, you know, the, the worker of the week, and, and they get a little bit of protein. Uh, but what are some things that, you're, that you guys do or, or talk about with your athletes as far as post-workout nutrition? Maybe not even uh, supplements and protein, just, just in general, some of your uh, things that you harp on or, or talk with your kids about uh, some, some post-workout nutrition. A lot of kids are just nutritionally unaware. So, for example, I was talking to one of our track girls the other day, and she was telling me she had a headache. And I basically asked her what she had ate, and hell, all she this is this is at four o'clock at a track meet, and all she'd had basically was a damn handful of Skittles and a half a pizza lunchable. So I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> well, hell, well, hell yeah, you got a headache, and I'm almost mad at her. But then I look back on it, she may not know any better. So mm-hmm. one of the things we've done is we've made a, not like a nutrition plan per se, like this is what you eat this meal, this is what you eat this meal, but basically a choice sheet with healthy complex carbohydrates, healthy post-workout carbohydrates, you know, protein choice, choices to choose from, snack choices to choose from, uh, get this if you're out eating fast food these options are better than these options and we've made a sheet and gave it out to all our athletes both female and male athletes and you know i'll be honest probably half of them it's still sitting in their locker uh half of them actually uh, add heed to it and once they see the results and the importance of eating right uh, it almost unlocks a, a hidden window to them i mean they all all your athletes want to ask what can I take to get bigger, stronger, faster. Well, there's basically two things you can take. You can take your butt to the cafeteria. I'm trying to tone down my language here. You can take your butt to the cafeteria, and you can take your butt to sleep. And those are two things that'll make you bigger, stronger, and faster. So uh, we just kind of make them nutritionally aware, help point them in the right direction. And uh, you know, the protein thing's been great. Uh, I do a movement for moms class. It started as a movement for moms. So uh, basically, when I got there, our girls were uh, reluctant, to say the least, to get into the weight room. And that wasn't all their fault at all. Uh, You know, negative connotations about the weight rooms with parents, whatever it may be. And uh, so to break that down, I kind of started this movement for moms class, where on Tuesday nights, the moms of female athletes could come work out at the field house. I'd take them through a workout, you know, show them that. This isn't some dungeon of a weight room. We're trying to develop athletes in here. Take them to a, through a workout similar to what we do our athletes. Not completely the same, but uh, so we did that. And then I believe the next day or a day after, we had two girls show up, and their moms had been at the workouts, and they'd encourage their daughters to go to the workouts. And it's built from there uh, to where now all girls seven through twelve uh, are on a lifting program, and it's been great. Uh, but reason I bring that up is one of the things we did was it was a free workout, but they had to bring a box of granola bars or a box of protein bars and hmm. 20, 20, la- 20 ladies bringing a box of granola or protein bars, you know, that would last a week. And when we'd replenish the next week at the next class. So that was huge in terms of just getting our kids something to eat and making options available to them. A lot of kids we all coach would love to eat all the time, but some of them don't have that option. So any creative thing you can do as a coach to get that to them, I think is important. I love that idea. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. a, a great idea. Any way to get uh, kids, you know, like you said, some free food. I'm sure go, you know, going out of your way a little bit to, to offer that up, but to get those moms to bring that in and, and be able to feed your kids after a workout is just so, so crucial. Oh, it's huge. I mean, basically a lot of kids aren't eating enough as it is and then you're doing all this hard training and you're breaking their bodies down and if they're not taking care of it correctly you're you're almost a lot of kids are going to end up going backwards uh but once you make them nutritionally aware and kind of help point them in the right direction 
and they notice that it pays off, my, man, it's huge in terms of creating buy-in. Uh, I walk around with a gallon of water every day, and I've started seeing several of our kids walking around with a gallon of water. So I'm like, all right, hell, they're, <laughs> they've learned right. they're bought in now, and it, it it's rocking and rolling. Our running back, uh, I posted a transformation pic of him the other day. He looked uh, he looked like a docile Dan in his first picture, and now he uh, he looks like he stepped off the set of Top Gun. So he's uh, he's been huge in terms of eating right and buying in. Like you said, you, just so many kids that don't know about nutrition. That was me all the way through college. I didn't, you know, people would <laughs> people would ask me like, "Oh, you ate that? Doesn't that make you feel like tired or or whatever?" And I'm like, "I got no idea how I feel. I just ate, and now I'm I'm going throughout my day. I don't it, I don't know how I feel after I ate certain foods. I just eat in the night, and then I keep living. And it wasn't until I started eating a lot better whenever I got out of uh, football that I started realizing, oh, I got a lot more energy now. And then I was like, oh, yeah. what if it's because of what I'm eating. Uh, but that was something yep. I'd never even paid attention to in, in high school or college. I just ate and went through life and was like, oh, I got a headache today. I guess I have, it's one of those days I have a headache. But I would have never thought, <laughs> oh, I, got, I, don't have, I didn't eat any food. I just think, oh, guess I have a headache today. <laughs> it, it wasn't the, the 50 pizza rolls I ate the night before. <laughs> yeah, and I've, right. had, I've, had a, I've had a half a glass of water. I've had four days worth of sodium, you know. <laughs> yeah, I would never have even thought of that. I'd, I'd be like, oh, I got a stomach ache, and I guess just one of those days that I've got a stomach ache. I don't have no idea. <laughs> so it's nice to kind of be, like you said, nutritionally aware now. But you got to help oh, those yeah. people with it, like you said. You do for sure. I mean, uh, I left college. I was 3.30, and, hell, I was probably actually more athletic then. I could almost – I could dunk a girl's ball. Now I'm 270 and can't dunk a girl's ball, but uh, I feel a hell of a lot healthier <laughs> and is just becoming nutritionally aware and and making the right choices, especially as coaches. I think it's important for your guys to see that you're doing it. You know what I mean? If I'm asking a guy to drink a gallon of water a day and, and they ain't got to eat freaking tuna and a couple of blueberries and a handful of spinach, I mean, you can make healthy choices out of whatever it is. You can make healthy choices at the cafeteria our cafeteria, I tell our kids every day they have meatloaf and you don't eat the meatloaf. You're soft. Their, their meatloaf is, is top of the line. Uh, if, if they were open on Saturdays, I'd, I'd take my wife there and pay $20 a plate for that meatloaf. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> That's great. That's another thing I tell like skill guys like that are, that are worried about, I'm like, you guys can literally eat anything you want. And you're, you're not going to get fat. I mean, so many of my guys that are, you know, buck 50, buck 60, like dude your metabolism is going through the roof you can you can literally eat anything you want i'm the same thing hey don't don't eat you know fruit by the foot for the entire day <laughs> you know but i'm like at the same time you know foot. <laughs> yeah don't don't worry about you know your your calories and things like that because you're not going to get fat you know hell you guys are running you know you're running at track you guys are lifting weights in the morning i mean your metabolism is maxed just eat and enjoy the time of your life where you can do that. Cause yeah, I wish there, I could, I wish I could still eat like I did in college. Yes, but no that, I do that and I'll be, I'll be back to three thirty real fast. Quick. Well, coach kind of rolling up on an hour now, but last thing I always love to ask coaches is, is when you're watching uh, another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Uh, you know, like we talked about finish. Uh, just because you blocked a guy and executed your block, if I see someone, maybe, hell, maybe it's a half-second pass the whistle. If I see that multiple times from multiple guys, you know that that's a coached behavior and that's been taught to them. So I definitely think highly of that for sure. Just when we play a team with a – you can tell when the offensive line are some dogs and, and they got that edge to them. And like we've all talked about, that's definitely coached something I definitely think needs to be coached. So uh, that, that'd be one thing I definitely look for. And you can see it on film when you're scouting that week. You know, you know if they're O-line some softies or you know if they're some dogs. So that's definitely a coach behavior. Coach, man, it's been an absolute blast. Uh, you know, talks of ball with you for an hour. I was looking forward to this one and, uh, you know, look forward to being able to interact with you in the future. And 
if we get down through uh, Arkansas, man, would love to, to stop by and see some of the things you're doing in, in your weight program. Like I said, I'm always interested in that. And I think it's a, it's an area where you can really, really grow a lot. Yeah. Hey, any coaches ever find their way into Arkansas, just feel free to hit me up. I mean that I'll share anything we do weight room, offensive line wise. Uh, I do a lot of crappie fishing. If you want to go catch some crappie and talk ball, we can do that too. Uh, do a lot of deer hunting, whatever it may be. So any coaches ever in the area, feel free to reach out. I mean it. and We'll get together. I'll share anything we do and just have some, like you said earlier, good fellowship. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.